So welcome to fucking Fridays. Welcome back. Uh, today's episode, we are going to get into the structure of therapy, whether it's individual couples or both, and uh, basically where to get started. So, of course, Taylor and I, you guys have heard our individual therapy journeys, and I know not everybody starts with just going to individual therapy, but we kind of wanted to touch on how we found our therapist first or where you can find a couples or marriage therapist. I know we touched on this a little bit already, but we both utilize psychology.com. You actually told me about it, babe. Yeah. Um, recap, I did start with using insurance. Um, so, you know, I do recommend looking into your insurance provider as their are uh, cheaper versions of looking into therapy for yeah. those services. Um, not saying they're bad or by any means. I just happened to find my therapist um, out of pocket, which was on psychology.com. What's really great about psychology.com is you can actually filter what types of therapy services you're looking for. Yeah, I remember seeing that. It'll literally list. It looks like I don't want to call it like a Tinder profile, but it kind of looks like a little Facebook profile. And on there, it'll say specializes in like family therapy, marriage therapy, uh, couples counseling. So I think when um, you were, when you started, babe, you were probably looking for the filter like trauma is yes, my guess. I was actually. So I filtered mine based off of a trauma therapist and then specifically, um, Actually, I didn't even look at EMDR. Yeah, um, I didn't know that was really a thing. Um, I just happened to see when I came across a couple of profiles that that was listed under trauma. And then I started researching it. So you found your trauma therapist. When I was looking for mine, I think I was just looking for, I don't know, <laughs> I was just looking for a therapist in general. But the person that I reached out to, she was actually, she was like, hey, I'm really busy in my practice. I'm going to let I'm going to get refer you to somebody who works under me. And that's how I found my therapist who eventually became our couples therapist. Yes. So we were both doing individual therapy. And when it came time to discuss, OK, let's do therapy together, it was kind of like, do we find somebody new? Do we go to your therapist? Do we go to mine? But yours didn't do couples, right? Uh, I believe he does. Uh, but I was at the time again and still, you know, focused on the trauma therapy and, yeah. and or talk therapy. You'll see that as well. Um, that That's what I was looking for. So uh, does he do couples therapy? Yes. But I, I know we went through yours and keep in mind, everyone, you know, a lot of this is trial and error. Um, yeah. You know, I, I hate to say it, but the truth is you may not land a therapist that you both like right away. Um, yeah. It took myself um, quite some time to find a therapist for myself that I really enjoyed and felt comfortable with. Uh, so if you go through this and same process and you're like, you know what, we gave that one a try and it just, you weren't connecting. Um, don't go through the motions, just go through the motions. That is something I will recommend because one, you're wasting your money and you're wasting your time, yep. your partner's time. So it's okay to filter through multiple therapists because you want to make sure it's a right fit for you. Therapists know this. Um, yeah. And I'm sure therapists, therapists feel the same way. They're like, uh, this is not working or maybe it's too close to home or something like that. Taylor went through a bunch of therapists. I got really lucky and loved the one I was. And to be honest, the reason we probably decided to work with mine was because I was like, well, 
I was just being bossy. You As you guys bossy. know, I am. I'm sure I was like, it's either my therapist or we're or over. <laughs> no. No, that wasn't the exact context. But um, yeah. we'll get to that in a little bit. There was a lot of pushback with um, us deciding to go forward with her therapist. So make sure, um, I don't know for you know you you couples going through this that you know, this is, it's kind of like homework. So make sure you're doing the research together or whether you're the female, the man, and one of you decides that I'm going to put my trust in the partner to find the right one. Uh, one thing that I did for myself is uh, I wrote out a bullet list. I kept up the profiles. There were about six people that I was like, mm-hmm. okay, these would be my top picks based off their description um, and the things that they focused on. And I did reach out to all six. Um, something with therapy, you will take like an intake assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, you may have to pay a fee for them to get to know you. It's kind of like an application on rent or uh, finding a place or a mortgage. Yeah. You know, it's a similar It is process. actually. That's a great way to put it, babe. Yeah. Like you are paying a fee for them to do an intake. Uh, intake assessments usually aren't any more than 30 to 40 minutes. But again, every therapist is different. Um, and you will filter your state most therapists have to be licensed within that state. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind as well that psychology.com does uh, a good job of. Or again, yeah. your insurance will share with you the providers through them that they offer uh, couples therapy, individual counseling. Mm-hmm. Sometimes uh, one thing I did try was group counseling for my individual self. It wasn't for me. It felt like AA, but at the same time, that can be very beneficial. I'm sure that works for some people. And um, also psychology.com with the filters, you can put your insurance in there. You can put what state you're in, all that good stuff. I did the same thing that Taylor did. I think I shot off like maybe five or six emails reaching out. Um, And normally they'll do a quick phone assessment first. Like obviously they kind of want to know the gist of everything before they decide if they can help you or not. So um yeah, because a therapist can also deny you. Um, it, it happens. Um, I was actually told one of the people I reached out to that I don't know if I'd be a good fit. I need somebody to come in in person. I was looking for more hybrid, um, you know, virtual Yeah, is, is the route. And granted, this was during COVID. So in person wasn't as much of an option. So we both were doing virtual uh, individual therapy. And then we decided to go to mine. Um I feel like I was kind of dragging Taylor because Taylor knew I was going to her and I started, this is actually shame on me, but there were a couple times where I'm like, well, I told my therapist this and she agrees with me that like, that's not good for me. And it was kind of like, no, duh, arguing is not good for me. But Taylor felt like I don't want to go see your therapist because you already told her all these awful things about me. I thought there was, yeah, I, and uh, looking back, it wasn't a dig on you. I just felt like there was some underlying biasy toward, you know, Taylor. Yeah. And I get that. And we didn't really think like, oh, this is her job. She's not allowed to. I was getting along with my therapist so much that of course, you know, of course she's going to give me probably thought like (laughs) I did. You know, you probably thought my therapist has my back. So Taylor's in for some shit. So we decided to go to my therapist and we got really lucky that her office was not too far from where we were living in downtown San Diego. And she offered to do either virtual or in person. And Taylor and I did make the decision, hey, let's go in person. I think we kind of, I also kind of used that like, 
I've been talking to her, but I haven't met her in person. So it could kind of feel like it's a brand new step for you and I. And I personally think whether you're going to therapy or not, you can learn about someone a lot quicker and get to know them in person, which is why, yeah, which is why we decided to do our first three to four sessions going in and meeting her. Yeah. And I just remember walking in there and I was so nervous, right? Obviously I was like, okay, like Sophia and her, Sophia and her already work close together. Obviously our relationship is hindering, you know, to a point where we feel like we are here for that reason, coming to therapy, going into this, there are a lot of nerves building up. Yeah. I remember. And if there's anything I can recommend, it's like, you know, some of the best opportunities and best things that come are the most uncomfortable. They teach us that about like work and other things. Like how do you succeed if you're like sedentary in the same position? Like you have to go outside of your comfort zone to grow and to better yourself. Yeah. And I'm proud of myself and and you that we were able to come together and say, you know what, this, this is going to suck maybe. Yeah. Uh, But let's, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. My emotions going in, I remember feeling were just like shameful and embarrassed you know and it's people say like you don't want to go to a therapist and like run into somebody you know like it's 2023 like unless you're still living in your small town like maybe you'll run into somebody which you still should but like I wasn't embarrassed running into somebody I was more embarrassed just like putting yourself that out there me me and my partner have to even go to therapy which is kind of the stigma of therapy still in the back of my mind because now even if I ran into somebody I knew at my therapist's office I would be like good for you you are doing the damn thing and this is not easy and like I would almost want to like high five so like please if you're in an area where maybe there's one really great therapist that a lot of people you already know to go to because it's a small town like just go who cares yeah like literally who cares and they're not they don't know what you're talking about in that room anyway yeah high school days are over it's like go (laughs) show up for yourself yeah it's very empowering um you know there's other friends or people we've hung out with where, you know, sometimes all we talk about are our therapy journeys and mm-hmm. the fact that we are confident and comfortable that we go. Um, it's just amazing that we can actually have those conversations with people outside of just ourselves and say, hey, go to therapy. And also, you know, rather you ask those individuals what their session was like, it's something that you can relate to. Like, hey, we're going to therapy, whether it's talk therapy, trauma, relationship. Yes. Um, there's just so much that you get out of therapy. Um, again, I, I talked about this where it's kind of like the unbiased opinion. It's like somebody that gets to know you so well who can critique you and help you in ways without that emotional attachment. Yeah, it's very, very special. And if you, you know, if you don't have friends that go to therapy and you can't talk with them, or maybe none of you go to therapy, including yourself with your friend group, be the first or be the first to even talk about a situation like, hey, I'm really struggling with this to open up to your other, like to your friends. I think that you can have therapy sessions with your friends. Um, It's hard to find people that are not biased. Some of, you know, I feel like, Taylor and I are kind of lucky because a lot of our friends have gone to therapy that when we do talk about things, they know how to switch that on and off. But be that friend. Be that friend that knows how to do that for people. I think you and I kind of were. Yeah. Um, Sophia and I shed a lot of light with our loved ones and friends 
Um, you know, we, a lot of our friends knew some of the struggles, really deep struggles that we went through. Yeah. Um, and, and shout out to all of our friends because they really had our back and they saw what, uh, what our intentions were, you know, our, our end goal was to get married, which we are. Um, but you know, getting married is something I learned that doesn't mean these things just go away. No. Um, unfortunately, you know, being married is just that extra commitment, uh, with whether it's the legal paperwork or not, Mm -hmm. like there is that extra commitment there. And Sophia and I finally were like, why are we hiding therapy? Like why, why is there such again, a negative stigma on going to therapy? Like with something being wrong with you or, Oh, they're going to therapy. I I wonder how that's going to go or, Oh, how can they even think of getting married together if they have to do therapy before the marriage? Like we started this journey knowing we wanted to get married, but obviously at the time we weren't even married. We didn't, or, we we didn't even know. Engaged. We didn't even know if we'd make it that far. And that's something that our couples therapist told us. She was like, you guys are getting ahead of the game. She was like a lot of clients yeah. that I'm seeing that I am seeing right now are already married with kids involved and it gets really ugly. And she said, she's like, I am starting to see people do premarital therapy. And if there's one thing I can recommend, and I've actually even heard from, you know, I have cousins that are married or and friends that have been married and they're like, we wish we would have gone that before. And some of the advice that they give and now that we would give is, Go to therapy beforehand, even if there's not a huge issue. It's a great place to open up and talk about how you're going to raise kids. What are you going to do with finances? Like, don't be ashamed of it. Like, we've even had people be like, oh, you already have to go to therapy. You're not even married yet. That's a red flag. You know what? It could be an orange flag, but I'd rather (laughs) like turn all these orange flags into like green, one big old (laughs) green or purple flag and just be or maybe a rainbow flag. And I'm just going to (laughs) keep walking around and like keep waving it. So like do what you got to do, guys. And also, if you are already married, this isn't a dig on you. Like who fucking cares? You know, who cares where you are in your relationship? Like there are people in their 40s, 50s, 60s who are like, you know what? It's just like any other cliche rule of advice is better late than ever. Or exactly, you know, you're the judgment of your own character, vice versa. Your character is your own judgment. Like, sure, there's going to be stigma out there. There's going to be biasy. There's going to be always somebody saying something. But like, who cares about those people? The people that actually love you and support you and want you to grow are going to be the people who are like, okay, you're going to therapy, not my business or it is, but good for you. Yeah. Um, And I think a lot of this comes from societal norms as, you know, media has transitioned things, you know, you can find anything on the internet. It's like a very competitive way of life these days. Yeah. Um, But I think we're here to help break that again, that stigma of what's right and what's wrong or just do it for you. Do it exactly. for you. Do it for your partner who gives a fuck what anybody else says. Exactly. And that's kind of how Soph and I roll. Um, it's unfortunate, but for a very long time, we were so worried about what people thought, even though some of our friends were involved in the things that were happening and just our struggles. Uh, I still think that that shows that even though those times were hard, we still did lean on our friends and we were still seeking ways to get help and it, it's been a couple of years now and we're still going through this journey and we're, we're still learning from it like we're not done with it yeah which is great yeah so we met with our couples therapist 
And your therapist will tell you how often they think you should be coming in. Taylor and I really wanted to like get this going. Get a head start. Yeah. At the time of doing all this, sorry. So yeah. not to cut you off. No uh, I lost my father. And within that time, I was like, you know what? I learned within a very short time that life is short. Um, somebody that I was very close with, um, you know, my dad was like my best friend. My mom is as well, but different relationships that I had with each of them. And, you know, unfortunately, that's what kind of gave me my decision of, I need to figure out my life. I need to quit being angry. I need to trust the woman that I love. And I need to get that love back um, through intimacy, through trust, through communication, all of these things. And I had such high hopes, kind of like faith that, you know, if I could go to therapy and work on myself, it would shed light on uh, Sophia. And I wanted to propose to her. And I knew that I could not propose to her and be a better person if I wasn't ready to, to give yeah. you my full self. So where I'm going with this is I realized like, you know what, I lost my father. But what I gained out of that was learning that I need to just love my person and figure it out. I would, yeah. you know, being angry every day and bickering and just all the little shit, it's it's so not worth it. When you look at life on a larger scale, we are literally a speck of dust on this earth. Um, I know. The world just keeps turning. It doesn't It just matter. keeps turning. And rather you're happy or not, or, you know, I, I don't know. It just, it just really put things into perspective. So knowing that I wanted to propose to Sophia uh, within that time, I had plans to meet with her father and mother as she went on a girl's trip to Atlanta. And I was like, I need to figure this out. And I felt confident enough that even though I hadn't gained everything out of therapy and I wasn't a hundred percent, I knew what outcome I wanted from it. So yeah. I decided that, Hey, I'm going to do this. And while I'm doing this, I'm also going to look into rings, talk to her parents and let them know, like, I know I haven't been the best person, um, but I'm going to be, and I'm going to work on it. And, and to this day, right now, as I'm speaking, I'm not a hundred percent perfect. Perfect does not exist. No, but I, you know, remind Sophia that I will show up for her every day. Um, yeah. And I think you probably telling my parents, like I am working on this. I did. Like how, like, how can some like anybody, whether you're a parent, whether you're a coworker, whether you're a friend, building on a relationship, whatever it might be, it's like, hey, I'm working on this and that's what I want to do. That's what they want to hear, which is why we kind of kickstarted it and was like, can we go twice a week? And I think we did that for like, <laughs> what, a month or two? Well, it was once a week. Once a week. We, we did once a week. Oh, but we did our individual therapy. So Taylor and I were basically doing therapy twice, twice a week. A week. That's true, actually. Um, so we did the first three to four sessions in person, like we said, and the first three to four sessions, it's really like one session. She was talking to Taylor mostly. And what's kind of crazy is I do remember being like, Ugh, like this whole session is about Taylor. I remember that actually. <laughs> Sophia was like, we'll get into it. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> these sessions, you know, it's, it's for the therapist. The first ones are for them to get to know you. Yeah. Now keep in mind, we cannot speak for every single therapist. I do know, uh, being a therapist myself, there are different ways people or, yeah. or professionals approach things. Um, so don't, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, well, 
you know, let's say you start therapy in a month and you're like, well, my therapist didn't start with that. You know, there, there is no right or wrong. They are highly trained professionals. Yeah. We just want to sh- guide you in what ours look like, which eventually it's all the same shit. It, yeah. It, it's all the same. Yeah. Shit. The common goal is to feel better. So she took a lot of time getting to know Taylor and then she would basically start dissecting like what, you know, then she wanted to know the background of our story, which you guys got literally full on. circle. Yeah. So basically everything that you guys have heard from before this episode is what we told our therapist. Um, and then we get into the really, really, you know, deep stuff and, we're going to, this podcast is going to go over all the things we learned, but the main thing was she wanted to identify my three main pillars and Taylor's three main pillars and what a pillar is when it comes to therapy or your individual pillars are what are the three main things that trigger you or the three main things that are the most important to you that you want people to recognize in yourself. Yes. We all have literally we all have pillars um it's like your morals yeah and and you know it can be in a sense some physical like tangible things um again everybody's pillar is different which we're going to get into what sophia and i's were we never knew that this is kind of how therapy would start after she got to know us i was like why is she asking us about our pillars you know i i didn't understand the context of it until she of course yeah yeah so i'm gonna start with my pillars and basically as a couple you want to know each other's pillars because these are the things that mean the most to you and that you know you want to like look out for essentially so i'm going to start with an easy one i don't know why this is one of my pillars but time being timely is something that affects me a lot being on time affects me a lot. So for example, I'm 15 minutes early to essentially any appointment I have, not that I need to be, even if it's like to go meet up with my friends, with my family, that they don't like, it doesn't matter if I'm on time or not. I'm not going to get charged. And for Sophia, uh, we laugh about this because this is still happening. We laugh about it. This is still (laughs) happening even today. Sophia's a theory, which in her mind is realistic, is if you're not 15 minutes early, you're actually late, where there's me who's like, no, it's exactly 1 p.m. We left at 1. I'm on time. Uh, so something we're still working through. Yeah. So I brought that up, and I think Taylor didn't really know at the time how much that bothers me. And again, there's no right or wrong. If we said we were going to be somewhere at 1, even if it was like to go hang out with friends, I would get really upset if we left the house at one, like to me, it's like, no, we need to be there at one. And even though my friends aren't going to charge me a late fee for showing up late to the party, (laughs) because it's not an appointment to me, it's just, that's my personality type. I don't know what it is. It must be the Capricorn in me, but that was an issue that Taylor and I were having a lot. And I've actually realized that that's something that I deal with by myself anyway. So now after speaking about that with our therapist, hopefully, and what the goal is, is when Taylor and I have an event, she knows, okay, I actually need to be ready 15 minutes before because that's a pillar that matters to self. Yeah, it literally took this therapist in having a therapy session for me to understand Okay, when Sophia's talking about time, she's actually not fucking around. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, Sophia's not fucking around with time. It did take the therapist. It's like a third voice, again, as I yeah. mentioned, that's not 
sexually, you know, within your realm or there's no emotional connection, it took the therapist again telling me this is a pillar of Sophia's is being on time and having time management in order for me to understand, okay, Sophia's not just nagging me every day or maybe not every day, but every time there is an event that's going on, you know, I always felt like she was nagging me or, you know, this is a problem. I'm like, I'm on time into myself. You know, I, (laughs) I feel and still feel sometimes to these days. I'm like, I may not be exactly on time, but sometimes I feel like I'm still one of the first people to show up, but that doesn't matter. You know, this kind of correlates with us always comparing ourselves to the next person, yeah. which is where a lot of this stuff stems from. I would be like, well, we were the first out of all of our friends to be there. It feels like, yeah, but we were still late. Like that's disrespectful. Our friend put a time on the party for a reason. And we're using like a party as an example. Yeah, this um, happens when we it, go to weddings baby showers whatever it might be and it's it's just really funny like you could text me back a couple hours later um you know you could forget to fold the laundry those things are not going to bother me for some reason the timely thing is my pillar and that's what we identified at couples therapy like that's just how i am um another pillar of mine we're both going to go over three of our pillars is respect i don't care if you're homeless i don't care if you're older than me i don't care if you're younger than me um i know some people say you need to earn respect and in some ask like in some areas of your life you do but to me i like to lead with respect and i expect to be respected so Another thing that Taylor and I, you know, she knows that my pillar is, is like, no, you can't just start, you know, raising your voice at me or, you know, if I, if I, not that Taylor does this, but if I see somebody disrespect somebody right off the bat, like a good example is if you're rude to the waiter, I don't even care if the waiter sucks. The first one or two mistakes you need to lead with respect. And that's something that's very triggering to me. It's one of my pillars. Taylor is a really respectful person, which is actually why um, I, you know, am attracted to you. There's obviously been times where we fight where I have felt disrespected. I'm just one of those people that even though if Taylor and I fight, um, I'm still going to cook her dinner because she's my wife and I respect her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and that kind of, so to feed off Sophia's pillar, uh, one thing that I've noted mentally is that, that will help you all is, you know, even if you guys are maybe bickering or you, you, it's just an off day, right? We all have those, whether it's personally or within the relationship. Uh, something I learned is you can, why not grab your partner's hand? Even if you guys are fighting, you will not believe how things can actually transition if, let's say you're arguing or maybe that person's sad or it, it's just one of those days, whatever it may be, you can still grab their hand. That shows like, hey, I know things aren't great right now, but I still love you. I'm here for you and I'm here today and I'm going to hold you your hand while we're walking through this store right now pissed off at each other that's that's exactly (laughs) kind of my point it's like hey just because we're mad don't be petty and don't hold my hand and that petty shit i will say we both have been guilty of that in the past but now that we know that's kind of one of our pillars it it really it helps out a lot 
And my last pillar for me is just feeling safe. Um, and we are going to have another episode where we talk about safety and trust. But I think that's because, your first pillar. Yeah, it, it is my first pillar. I wanted to save the best for last. Um, safety means something different to everybody. And we will go into that. But for me, in my pillar, safety means I just don't want to feel in danger like like we kind of said before, Taylor would kind of use her physical space sometimes, you know, and I know a lot of people use that. I've seen it in my own family where they're like punching a wall or something like that, throwing like a pillow. Like it's not a big deal to some people. And I know some people act that way. But to me, like I want to feel physically safe. I don't like people over me, towering me and getting louder than me. It kind of goes hand in hand with the respect thing. Makes you more defensive, maybe. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. Or like I know, you know, it's there that's how I feel safe. I feel safe when when the volume level is not yelling. Like I understand people do have emotions and are gonna get loud. And I am in that point where I'm learning that being loud doesn't mean you're not safe. But I just the way that I grew up, I never saw anything like that. So when I when I saw things like that, it would make me feel like, oh my God, I'm in such a fight when it's like, you're just trying to get your point across, you know? Sure, and safety goes in tandem with respect. I, I feel like that's kind of obvious. Um, but I do feel like it's obvious when I'm saying this out loud, but as you all know, if you are in the middle of an argument, things are off, vibes are off, it's just so hard to lose sight of those core values. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, those core values of it's like, you know, if you guys are listening, you're like, yeah, no shit. Respect each other. Have safe communication. It's hard. You know, like we all know that, but we're here to sh talk about it because we all know it doesn't happen. If it didn't happen, exactly. and I, you and I wouldn't be sitting here today sharing this because yeah. we went through fucking hell and it was like, Hey, Taylor, I love you because when I met you, you showed me respect. You looked me in the eyes. You talked to my family and provided communication. You made me feel safe. You showered me with love. All of these things, why we are with our partners to this day, or if you're searching for somebody, you know, these are things that we go off of initially. And as we know, they do get lost in translation. I hate to say it, but that's exactly what happens. And it happened to us. Yeah, exactly. Like if so, just now you guys know our backstories. If Taylor, you know, is tossing the remote because she's upset, that truly makes me feel like I'm not safe. If I do that to Taylor, she might just be like, whoa, Sophia's like really angry today. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then that goes to show like, you know, you get to know your partner, but it's okay to still figure out certain things about your loved one while you're married, while you're engaged. Yeah, how you know? are you supposed to know? You know, there's so many learning curves um, and, and I, you know, I'm excited and curious to know uh, I'm 31 now. Sophia's about to be 30. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, dirty 30 coming up here in a month. But anyway, it's like, what, what about when we're 40? What about when we're 50? We already assume and know Sophia and I that, you know, there's going to be other levels or communication that needs to be unlocked. And, you know, we do change over time or the way we think or the way we react may be completely different. So these are things that we're going to continue to use. However, if we all keep it simple, uh, Sophia and I do always revert back to our pillars, which yeah, it, it's like, exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think there's something you said in there, babe, that was really 
like the point, yeah, insightful is you like if you're in love with somebody, you should want to learn those things about them. Mm -hmm. And those things actually might change. Like my pillars, babe, if we're still podcasting in 10 years, like my pillars could be totally different. If you feel like your person is a chore, that's a sign of that, that that's not okay. Like you shouldn't feel that way, even though you do. It's time to figure shit out. Like you, you know, things are going to happen. There are going to be frustrations. Um, you know, the, the little tedious things might come up today. For example, I'll use this as we're talking. I was like, Hey, before you and I podcast, I need, I need three hours of mental space. And what that mental space means for me is I need to tidy up the house. I need to do laundry and I need about an hour of like myself time to scroll kind of just check all my stuff and just have me time. And I did, I let Sophia know my expectations that way we can then focus on podcasting. Um, but when I, where I'm get going with this is I didn't want her to feel like this was a chore. And I certainly didn't, didn't want it to feel like a chore. Yeah. And I am going to play devil's advocate right here. Um, for the instance you're speaking, no, it doesn't feel like a chore, but if you're not married or if you're like, are, am I serious about this person? Am I not? Is it a chore in your mind or are you being lazy? <laughs> I'm sorry, but I know some people that it's like, is it a chore or is it, are you just being lazy? That's because I do point. think you can love somebody, but get lazy with being your best self or being lazy showing by showing love. 100%. So I just want to sit there. I think that's very reflective. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So I think we should get into your pillars, babe. My pillars. I would love to talk about them. Me too. <laughs> I'm going to start with my first pillar. Pretty obvious. I, I would consider from, uh, from starting this journey okay. is loyalty. Um, something that I, I feel like for a very long time, I just never got. So I always thought, you know, this whole process of self-confidence and, and being angry and upset actually stemmed from within myself because I felt like nobody ever was loyal to me uh, in, in my sexual relationships, if you will, uh, at least the ones that I pursued, you know, uh, I just felt like cheating was a common theme, not being loyal to me. Uh, for some reason, it was always a theme. And I was like, how? Like, I'm so nice. I'm so loving, like, what are these issues? So that was definitely my, would be my number one pillar okay. is loyalty. Um, we're going to talk about loyalty and safety more um, as one of the tools that Sophia and I use now and have used with therapy as it is something that's very important that we would like to share with you all. Uh, my second pillar is... <laughs> kind of funny um but something that Sophia mentioned hers is time mine is cleanliness oh my gosh I used to be a messy girl and now I am a clean girl right babe <laughs> you are a clean girl I don't think anybody will ever pass me on the clean thing no I am OCD now not to the point where I can't do anything else within my day I will shed light that I'm very proactive. I get fucking shit done. I yeah, I do. You I do. Can do dishes, load the washer. The first thing Taylor does when she wakes up in the morning is cleans the kitchen. Sorry. Let's not put that. In. I'm sorry. I just think that's amazing because I was never one of those people that did that. You had a house. So if you had a nanny growing up, okay. I I didn't. 
I actually taught Sophia that this is good. People need to know this. I taught Sophia how to fold laundry. Oh my gosh. I, I taught just, you. I just don't like to do it. I still taught you. My second pillar is being clean. Now there is a difference in being dirty for the longest time. Sophia would get upset thinking that I thought she was dirty. You weren't dirty. You were just messy. She didn't fold her clothes. She would just, you know, kind of leave things around. And unfortunately, the way my brain operates is if I want to do something, I have work, I'm watching TV, like I need my space around me clean, right? Yes, Taylor is the OCD type of clean. And I thought, you know, I, I was messy. I didn't think I was clean. But then when we started going to couples therapy, she was like, literally not putting the dishes in the dishwasher right away drives me nuts. Or you said, I can't even think straight if everything isn't clean. And I didn't know it was that deep until I wish it wasn't. (laughs) I know. I know I get it, but it's one of your things and that's your pillar. And now I'm very mindful of that. I try to clean as I go. I try to make sure like, Hey, if the laundry's done, let me know. I have no problem trying to fold it up, even though I hate it, but I'll totally watch housewives and fold it. I will say this. I feel like this is one of the number one struggles in relationships. Yeah. Again, ungender related because it really doesn't matter. The stick the the what I hear a lot of is the guy comes home because he's, you know, the one making the money, his shoes are laid out, sits on the couch, expects dinner to be cooked. Not always. I'm just using this as an example. Yeah. And then the wife or partner stuck doing everything. Uh I had a lot of expectations of Sophia where I just expected that she did whatever that my mind was thinking of keeping shit clean. But what we do now is we work as a team. You know, if she's cleaning or if she's cooking, sorry, I clean. If I'm like, hey, it's Saturday, you know, we have one hour today instead of you doing this and me doing this, let's tag team and let's clean this place together. And it makes you both feel fulfilled and also feel like that this, you know, person isn't doing the tour every time. One of the things I would recommend is why not one weekend you have those chores and then the next week it be your partner. You know, I think a lot of this, the gender role gets really mixed into this as Mm -hmm. to like the man and the woman. Yeah. And I'm not here to say take advice from two lesbians, but we do really have a feminine and masculine role where I think a lot of people could relate to this. Yeah. Yeah. And we flip flop. So I actually think in this example, I would have been kind of the more masculine role because I truly was like eating put my dish in the sink, like put my clothes on the floor. Like I'll get them to tomorrow. Like I feel like, you know, if we were 20 years, 30 years in the past, it'd be like, oh, that's how men are. Fellas, seriously, (laughs) how fucking your wife, your partner would think it is so hot that instead of her coming home to you having a hard dick, her coming home to, hey, babe, I appreciate you so much. Even though I work today, I cleaned the whole house for you and I folded your laundry and put it away. Literally would be such a turn on to a female if a guy, you know, like think of those little, little tangible things that, you know, then you're probably for sure going to get laid instead of just seriously (laughs) or do half and half. Like I am anti laundry, but Taylor was like, listen, I'll do the laundry. I'm going to put it right on the couch for you. I'm going to put housewives on the laundry, fold it, do the laundry as in I put it in the washer I get the I get the soap going and then I transition it to the dryer and then the deal is I do all that 
carry it over and then I set it out for Sophia to fold and put back. Yeah. It's super. And that's, that's our agreement. A hu- yeah. That's our agreement. Make an agreement. Let's go into your last pillar, babe. My last pillar is somebody or specifically Sophia walking away and or leaving in the middle of a fight. What's very interesting is I have learned and, um, What's very interesting about this being one of my pillars is you may all learn that it's actually healthy to walk away when you're in a very heightened situation or argument. I unfortunately have an issue with safety, which stems all the way back to my my childhood years of being molested. Um, I've learned that if somebody that I love, not the person that did that to me in my younger years, but if somebody I love like Sophia walks away from me that means they're they're leaving me forever i would call it like your pillar is abandonment like yes if abandonment. if we're in an argument and i leave the vicinity taylor is like oh my god she doesn't even love me or if you know it does it's not like this anymore but when things were at its worst it was like if i chose to go hang out with my friends or do this it was like Taylor would feel like I'm Which is ridiculous. Yeah, but it's one of your pillars and and now we know and that's why it's important to find out what your pillars are. Yeah, and now we have such a great balance of it is so healthy that I can allow Sophia to go and hang out with her friends, do her thing, and I do my my thing as well, which is going to be another topic we, you know, we get into about relationship balance and trusting your partner to go hang out, have a girl's night, have a guy's night. Uh, but unfortunately, it's, you know, my last pillar is being abandoned. Um, and that doesn't stem from mom or dad or anybody personally in my family. So you might find it in- interesting because I, I, I did as well. I was like, yeah, I, I was that. never abandoned as a child. I am the youngest of three. I was in favorited by so many. And it's like, where did this abandonment come from? So, you know, it's not because I came from a broken home. I, I didn't yeah. at all. I just when it comes to my lover a lot of this comes from the relationships I had um, sexually with partners where I just felt like I would eventually be the one broken up with or it was just always this sense of abandonment or yeah. a lot of people in my past that I dated, like they could never, uh, it's crazy, but every single relationship I've been in besides you, it's it's been, I can't break up with you in person because if I do, I'll want to stay because I love you and you're such a good person. So it's just very interesting that, you know, yeah. to this day, you're the first person that, you know, didn't find a way to send the the message via text or a voice note or yeah. on Facebook as in we're, we're, we're breaking up because if I, if I saw you in person, I wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah. And that's where my abandonment stems from, uh, from my therapist, what I Yeah. Learned. Yeah. And like Taylor mentioned, we'll get into this because it actually took me, I will say, probably one to two years to, to like, know. to realize, like it kept happening, like, oh, I'm removing myself, but it would make things worse. It kind of coincides. So yeah. Sophia was using it as I'm leaving right now because I don't feel safe. And I think taking a break and walking away is actually healthier than us sitting here and keep festering where in my mind, I was like, no, if you leave me, that means you don't love me. And if you leave me, you're abandoning me. And if you leave me, that means means you're not breaking up. And yeah, like it was, 
com- two completely different thoughts on this whole abandonment slash yeah. leaving thing, which it, is interesting. And it took us forever, but um so yeah your therapist will go into your pillars or hey if you guys are like we haven't done therapy yet but you guys are listening to these episodes like if you're listening and you want your man to listen to this your significant other like put this on write down your pillars together like if you can't afford to go that's why we're doing this podcast i want you guys to like take these things and and use it for like use it for good like do what you need to do i have a pillar just something from talking with people uh some people's pillars are i'm not having sex with you unless you take a shower before sex i hear it all the time whether it's the man or the woman there there can be so many different pillars and if you don't know what your pillars are this is why we're recommending you know you don't need to pay for therapy to go over your pillars why not think of yourself why not think to yourself what your pillars are and have your partner as homework if you will uh one thing with therapy is there is homework involved look into your personal pillars in couples therapy we went over three main pillars which our next three episodes are going to be about the first one is going to be Sex and intimacy. That's very important pillar within a relationship. Our next one is communication. Communication, how you guys talk to each other. There's a lot we can dive into that one. And then the last one will be safety and trust. So not only are we suggesting you come up with your own pillars to help define what works for you and and where you're at with yourself, uh, but we will get into what our pillars are as a couple, which is huge. So tune in. Next Friday, we're going to be talking about the scheduled sex and honestly why we called fucking Fridays fucking Fucking Fridays. Fridays. (laughs) And we will see you next week. Bye. Cheers.